My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a very cool and bleak wintry morning here in the capital, but I'm delighted to say that joining me on the show to hopefully add a little bit of warmth and brightness to affairs is Simon Thomas, Accountancy and Tax Specialist and Managing Director and Owner of Ridgefield Consulting. Uh, Simon, very warm welcome to you this morning and thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, hi there, Scott. Uh, thanks very much for, uh, for the time. Lovely to speak to you. Yeah, it's, uh, we're over here in head office in Oxford uh, today mm. and equally miserable. Uh, <laughs> the bleak, bleak midwinter continues. But um, yeah, so yeah, lovely to speak to you, Scott. Likewise, and like I say, hopefully we can add a little bit more sort of sunshine to uh, to things this morning. Um, obviously, uh, we've mentioned that uh, you're based in um, Oxfordshire at Ridgeview Consulting. You've been around, I think, now around about 11 years. And in that time, you've built the business into Oxford's leading independent accountancy practice, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Which is quite the achievement. Yeah, well, in the early, I mean, I was I was top four and young in the city um, mm. doing all that big stuff and father was a retired chartered accountant well just coming up to re- retirement and I thought well this if I don't do this now I'll never do it so um yeah 10 11 years ago bought a block of fees off a retiring village accountant um, which I guess was a small acquisition and then we did that two or three times um and we've actually just done our fourth acquisition uh which was last March and that was in the pandemic uh, and that was buying a 33 year old practice in Henley um so we're sort of uh, yeah I, Metric-wise, we're probably 1.6 mil turnover now, 22 members of staff. And as I say, that, that last big acquisition was actually in the, in the middle of the pandemic. So that, that was an interesting thing to do uh, in the current economic environment. But um, yeah, as far as Oxford goes, we're not quite as big as some of our sort of high-street competitors, but we're, we're certainly, certainly punching above our weight now. And, and we do a lot of tech and biotech business, and we're very specialised in our tech stuff. So yeah, we've, we've created a good niche. We're a good size. We're still independent. Um, we still give the you know the, the good level of service and and and, and onwards and upwards. Yeah, hopefully so. And um, it's quite a testament that, given the challenge of the last couple of years, you managed to get to a point where hopefully there is going to be some upward uh, trajectory. So, just sort of touching more closely on the COVID nineteen situation, what are some of the operational challenges that the pandemic has thrown at you from a business perspective? I mean, I suppose for us, it's um, we, we've actually got that, this office here. It's quite small and, and close knit, and a lot of people sort of live live locally and uh, and, and nearby. And um, obviously, when it when that first thing hit, it was you know it, it sort of people not coming in and and whatever. It was it, it, it's been it's been very difficult actually to um, especially with the trainees as well. You know, when when we've got the you know the new trainees, it's, you, we can't say to them you can work from home because they don't know what to do. Mm. Sorry. And, being as blunt as possible so it's yeah i think i think all organizations um in one way or another especially office-based ones or financial services like us have have, have just had a challenge with some of that um you know working from home or you know doing all the zoom calls i mean the zoom calls it's interestingly with with clients and telemarketing and 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 networking and stuff i you know that's been difficult as well i i don't think it's entirely uh I don't think it's yeah, personally. It's something I, I I can't wait to go back to you know face to face events and, and talking to people mm. and all the rest of it. I think it served a purpose for what it did, but um yeah I, I don't want it to, and I can't see that it's something that's gonna gonna sustain um from a new business perspective going forward. But from the working from home thing with 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 some employees when they're senior enough, yeah it, it has worked out okay. So 
I'd say it depends on the on the grade of the of the employee really as to uh, as to how that's gone. And I suppose that the grade of the employee, as you mentioned there, that probably dictates whether they're sort of being as productive as maybe they ought to be whilst working from home as well, because a lot of business leaders may have cited productivity as a real advantage of working from home just because of, you know, work-life balance benefits. But it isn't always the same across the board, is it? Because I suppose it's dictated by the kind of home that you have, whereas if you are sort of locked up in a sort of one-bedroom flat, uh, maybe that productivity isn't necessarily going to be there. So it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, somewhat? Well, I mean, for, for me, in, a, in, in an odd way, it, I've got a bit of perspective on it because obviously when I started off 10 years ago, I was working from home. So, you know, I, I gave mm. up all that city lifestyle to, to start my own business. And, you know, I just started in a study um, and, you know, there was a year and a half of me just being there. So, and I understand, you know, going that period of time back, I understand the challenges of, as to what that brings. And, you know, in, in, in lots of ways, it was quite novel and, and exciting. But, you know, then there's the other side of it where you sort of have to, be able to motivate yourself and, and understand what kind of, you know, what kind of person you are. And um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, I, I think that's probably, a th- I, you know, you've probably talked to lots of other people who are in, in larger organizations. And, you know, I'm sure they're probably getting, you know, I talked to colleagues as well who are still in the city. And I think they're getting to that sort of point now where um, some novelty has worn off and, um, uh, and, and, you know, that they're quite welcome to come back in and, and meet with people and socialize people and, and do what humans do. Um, I mean, going back to our, our workforce here, um, there, there are a number of people who've actually wanted to come in. Um, we, we gave them the option and, um, you know, they, they just said, look, you know, I, I want to come in. I'd rather come in and it helps with how I work. And, and we, we were welcome and open to that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I suppose as well, you can't sort of underplay the value of those water cooler moments. I think they call them over in the States where you know, you're sort of having that little break, you're just speaking to colleagues, and it's moments like that, those sort of face-to-face moments that really drive innovation forward indirectly, aren't they? And uh, I think as well, you mentioned that we are social creatures as humans, aren't we? And we do crave that human interaction, and we can't sort of lose sight of the importance of that either, despite some of the advantages we've seen from uh, being able to work from home productively. Yeah, I, I would echo that. And, and, and again, being a tax and accounting firm, um, especially on the tax side, um, you know, we, we have a, we have an open plan office here and, um, you know, the, the things pop up and, you know, what happens? Two people turn their, two, two people turn their chairs around. Um, I get, I get shouted in, I come out from my office and, and, and all of a sudden we're, we're, in, we're in, you know, in a small space, which, you know, we're obviously not supposed to, you know, we're not, we're not anymore, but that's how we sort of collaborated and, and brought ideas together and, you know, and, and one person would say, right, I'm going to ring the tax helpline. I'm going to investigate on Google. I'm going to go to this resource. We'll reconvene in the next half an hour and we'll see what we've come up with. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, that, that sort of spontaneous collaboration um, to, you know, create options and, and then, and then come back and find solutions that, yeah, that has been, that's been lacking. And, and, and certainly for our organization, I'm sure, I'm sure there's several others that would fit into that category where, but that's, you know, that's, that's just a problem. And um, we'd much rather it was uh, back to how it used to be. Yeah, and that's hard to replicate over a Zoom or a Teams call, isn't it? That sort of collaboration that you mentioned there. Um, but also on the well-being side of things, when sort of, I suppose, during the early days of the pandemic, we saw so many business leaders reaching out via Zoom and via Teams to individual team members to maybe look at things like well-being and just check in like, oh, how are you feeling? What's going on at home? Like sometimes you miss certain social cues when you're talking through sort of a video chat application. 
as opposed to being there in the office with them. So on the well-being side, I suppose not being physically connected also does have its downsides, doesn't it? And that has to be managed. I guess what in terms of those sort of um, perhaps moments again in the office where you might um, just have a quiet sort of personal word with somebody that you might know Mm. reasonably well and ask them how things are going, that sort of thing. Is Is that what you mean? Yes, absolutely right. So that's sort of been lost over the last couple of years and, maybe we sort of missed one or two sort of cues that have perhaps been there when we've been speaking to people online, but we've not been able to maybe pick up on them as easily because we've not been there physically with them in the office space, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, again, I would, I, I, would, I would agree with you on that. And um, yeah, 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 certainly. I mean, it, I think that's the thing going back to, yeah, when you go to the Zoom call it's uh, or whatever's happening in that period of time, it's sort of... Um, it is what it is, and, 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 and you don't necessarily also see the sort of cues that, you know, when you're sat around a sort of boardroom table or whatever it might be, and you, you see all these nuances that in human nature mm. that we, we take sometimes, and, and you perhaps don't sometimes see that on the on the, uh, on the the Zoom. And, and like you say, following uh, the meeting, if it was obviously as it used to be, you, you might have noticed something in a colleague, and, and you might, you know, go to one side and... And as you say, and it might be something that comes to personal light, which um, you otherwise might not have discussed with them being at home. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'd agree with you on that too, Scott. And something as well that I wanted to um, ask, uh, just because we know it has been an immensely tragic time over this last couple of years, but, you know, we try and find the silver lining in every single dark cloud that we find goes over the top of us. So are there any sort of positive lessons from your perspective that, you and your business will carry forward as a result of this experience of, let's say, crisis management, if we call it that. Yeah, Scott. So, I mean, on that point, what what I, what I think probably is, uh, the main thing, and from our point of view, is is perhaps you know going back to those different levels of seniority of staff is it's about how people manage themselves, uh, and that comes down to expectations um, and ownership for you know work and things that people are doing. Um, I really think that I mean this is something that all came through my career when I was when I was at larger companies was was the expectation gap and the and the management of uh, you know ownership of tasks and this type of thing and I and I think that really has um, um, been something that you know all staff members are going to take away and 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 use to um, to their advantage and, and to the to the organisation's advantage especially when they do come back into the office. Yeah, exactly right, and um, I suppose when. Just going back to the sort of well-being discussion that we were having, I guess when, as a business leader, you sort of show some real concern for the well-being of your colleagues and you're really reaching out to them, I think they almost reward you in productivity in a time of crisis, don't they? Because they know that you're looking out for them and therefore they are willing to kind of go above and beyond when the uh, the chips are down. That's something that we've certainly seen in abundance given how well business and industry has responded to the pandemic and i can imagine of course it's probably been the same case within your organization as well we all we all love our staff probably well, do we when, when we've still got any like 20 or 22 like we have we, we still know them quite intimately so we've, we've been very good with our recruitment and our selection and we've got a very good good crop of people here but um yeah i would say there's obviously been several occasions throughout this uh, last 18 months to two years scott where um, you know, you know, people have, you know, actually offered to do things at different times, offered to do things out of work time, um, and specifically with clients, I think, um, you know, really stepped in when somebody else, you know, perhaps has been working from home or not been here, um, to, you know, take on a query that's perhaps not normally in their remit, 
uh, and then say, you know, I will, you know, manage that process. Going back to what I was saying again before about responsibility, ownership, expectation. Um, you know, perhaps taking something on that necessarily wasn't in their remit, but is for the is for the greater good of their colleagues and the firm. So, yeah, yeah, we certainly have seen that. Yes. Mm. And when, of course, they are willing to sort of essentially do that, take on things beyond their remit, um, has it been easy to sort of manage them in a sense that, you know, they're not doing too much and they're not essentially burning themselves out by taking too much on? Yeah, I think like um, certainly with these things, it's, it's, it's a case of monitoring what the individual is doing because I think everybody's had their own reaction to, you know, the virus and the pandemic and, and how that, you know, made them feel uh, one way or another with, with other people, with their families and, and all the rest of it. And I think, again, it, it goes back to that point that we were raising about when you don't physically see people. It's like, you know, if you can, you know, I have had to keep an eye on monitoring people to see, you know, how much extra they are doing. And, and over the course of it, yeah, there probably has been a couple of occasions where I have had to, you know, actually speak to somebody and, and make sure that um, they're okay with them, themselves and, you know, they haven't taken too much on and, and they're not putting themselves under too much undue pressure. Um, I mean, that goes full circle back to one of the other questions, really, about, um, you know, things that have come out of this again, really. Um, we were talking about ownership, expectation, responsibility, but I think there's also a responsibility to yourself and something that's come forward with this. And I'd certainly acknowledge that about, um, I guess, saying no sometimes and, 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 and you know, looking after yourself and, uh, and Obviously, you know, you may have to bring that to your, your you know, senior member of staff mm. to actually get the thing resolved. But, um, yeah, I think that is another side of it. There's, there's something that will change going forward. Yeah, and we're not immune from that either as sort of business leaders, are we, I suppose? I think we have to manage ourselves very carefully when, you know, we're in a situation where we're chasing after everybody else and making sure our colleagues are all sort of in the right kind of headspace, as it were. Because, as, as you say, CEO burnout is a very real thing. And, I suppose what this last two years has shown us as well is that even in leadership roles, you know, we're not infallible and we do have to be able to sort of take that step back as and when we need to also. Yeah, I mean, you know, perhaps personally myself, I mean, there's a number of things, you know, I've been trying to do and I, I mean, I'll share them with you. I mean, I've tried intermittent fasting for a bit, which uh, which was quite interesting. Um, I did toy with meditation and I, I think it does work and, uh, but, it, 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 you know, it, it's not something I've, I've managed to put any more time into. Um, I've been sort of rescheduling my, my, my what do you call it, circadian rhythm to try and get up uh, at a consistent time and then go for a walk and make sure I get, I do a lot of exercise anyway, but making sure I get sunlight in the morning and this type of thing. And um, all sorts of strange things. I'm eating a raw clove of garlic in the morning. I'm eating, um, I, I eat some sort of raw ginger in the evening. So I, all, all sorts of um, things I've implemented myself um, to try and, uh, you know, just, oh, another one is uh, cold showers. Have you tried that, Scott, in the morning? Cold showers in the morning? Uh, I have actually. I think it was, uh, we, we do have um, weekly leadership tips here within our organisation. And one of those tips actually did revolve around a cold shower in the morning to get you ready for the day. So, yeah, something I'm very familiar with for sure. Yeah, so you know, there's, there's certain examples like I'm sharing there that I've certainly been been looking at myself. And um, again, these are things that, if necessary, when you have those personal conversations with people, or uh, you know, maybe some management strategies that that, that they may use. But um, yeah, it's um, I think I think that's another key thing that that that, that going forward. We've, we've touched on this a few times now about um, you know, management of of yourself, and um, I'd include include myself in that really, um, as well as your employees to um you know, get the most out of you and 
and as I say, in these trying and difficult times. And but you know, hopefully we're, we're not too. I don't. I, we're not too far around the corner. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> from, from things perhaps getting a bit better. But uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hope for the future, isn't it? That we're in this new year, 2022, we're moving out of the acute phase of the pandemic now. And the trajectory is hopefully going to be very much upward in terms of the economy and in terms of industry. And um, just as we sort of focus on the uh, the future now, uh, Simon, just before we wrap things up on the show, um, what are some of your sort of aims um, going to be for Ridgefield Consulting and that sort of acquisition project you've got going on over the next uh, 12 months? And maybe by this time, in next year, 2023, um, what is it that you're really hoping to have achieved? Well, I think tying this into the, the topic of, of with the pandemic, a couple of things I probably would like to, to raise, um, and to do, they are to do with growth as well, is that uh, one part of our business that obviously massively flourished was, was, was actually dealing with the payroll side of it. Um, because, you know, all of these sort of companies furloughing and everything. So we actually, you know, had a, had a, had a huge amount of work to do there, um, new, new work to do there. Um, but on the back of that as well, I would also say, you know, looking at positives in this is that, you know, there have been a number of people that have sort of have said, well, you know, solve this, this is my time now. I'm going to set up my own business. I'm going to go and do my own thing. Um, and of course, those people are client, potential clients to us. Um, so, you know, out of this, there have been a lot of people that, you know, setting up their own businesses and, and starting to do things. So I think, um, you know, certainly a lot of our, a lot of our marketing is going to be geared towards, you know, those supporting those new early stage, what we do anyway, but you know, really supporting those sort of perhaps people that were very hesitant about going on their own in the first place. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's the way forward. As I said earlier on, we're very heavy in the tech and biotech sectors. We're based, you know, this head office of ours here is in Oxford. Um, so I'm very eager for all the networking to start again, sort of the Oxford life sciences sector, um, because, you know, we've got a lot of clients in that sector and we're really looking to grow. That's including doing R&D tax credits, EMI share schemes, EIS, SCIS investments, grants. We're very heavy on all of that sort of stuff. Um, so we're sort of looking to really pick up, um, you know, the marketing and networking on that side. And then our sister firm, I suppose if you call it, the, the, that we bought, which was reasonably large, the 33-year-old practice in Henley. Um, Henley's a very different marketplace. So mm-hmm. um, we'll really be looking to support some high net worths in that field. Um, people who are looking to do, you know, looking to buy more property, this type of thing. So, yeah, it's, um, our growth has been pretty good over the last number of years. Our, our peak years have sort of been 15 20%. I'd say it's stabilized a bit over the last two years, so we haven't really lost any, which is great. But if we can head towards that double-digit growth again, I think going into 2023, um, that, that's, um, that's what we're looking at. All sounds incredibly exciting indeed. And actually, Simon, I'd relish the opportunity to perhaps even catch up with you at some point in this sort of next 12 or so months just to see how that real vision is uh, coming to light because it seems like there's some really exciting times on the horizon for you and uh, hopefully it all goes well. Yeah, well, that's great, Scott. Well, lovely to talk to you. And um, yeah, if I'm sure we'll, we'll, we can have a catch up again. No problem at all. Certainly so. And thank you for your time again in coming to join us on the uh, the show today. It's been an immense pleasure having you on to sort of talk about what's been going on within Ridgefield Consulting and sort of that real acquisition project that you've got going on. And uh, likewise, uh, Simon, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on and hopefully touch base again soon. Brilliant, Scott. Thanks very much for your time.
And I'd like to reiterate that message to all of our listeners tuning in today as well. Uh, please do take care and stay safe moving forward. And um, hopefully you did enjoy the interview with Simon Thomas from Ridgefield Consulting just as much as I. Um, I should also say to anybody listening in today that if you have tuned in and feel that you may have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us at the Leaders Council, then we'd like to hear from you. And why don't you apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until that next time, everybody, please do take care once more and goodbye.